0: This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming
1: possible. You're listening to Radio Kidnappers, the voice of Hawke's Bay, and I'm Lynn Trafford presenting Rotary Wheels on behalf of the Rotary Club of Ahuriri, Sunrise in Napier. This programme is kindly sponsored by Dobson's Photo and Camera, opposite the library in Havelock North and opposite Hannah's in Upper Emerson Street, Napier. For cameras, binoculars, telescopes and all things photographic, see Dobson's in Havelock North and Napier. With me in the studio today is fellow Rotarian Ira Chubkova from my Rotary Club, Ahariri Sunrise. Era is a relatively new member of our club, joining us on the 1st of July 2020. She was the first new Rotarian of the 2020-21 year in our district. I must add that the Rotary year runs across the middle of two years and is not a calendar year. Era comes from southern Russia, where she completed her schooling, went to university, and gained employment as a high school teacher. She became a Fulbright Scholar of the International Teachers Exchange Programme, sponsored by the Clinton administration, and off to the USA she went. How Era ended up in New Zealand is quite another story, and we will hear all about it today i welcome fellow rotarian era chubkova to rotary wheels Hello, era Hello, Lynn. Lovely to have you with us here in the studio today. I want to take you right back to Russia for a few minutes here. I know that's going to be very easy for you because, of course, it was home. Can you locate for us, for people such as myself and anyone listening who does not know the map of Russia very well, whereabouts is home? How do, how do we find it on the Russian map?
0: Well, to find it on the Russian map is actually very easy because the Rostov and Don, the city, is situated on the River Don with access to the Azov Sea that flows into the Black Sea, which is a fantastic resort. And the Black Sea is shared by a lot of countries. Yeah, people know the Black Sea. Yeah, don't people they? know that. Oh, actually, another hint is that uh, Sochi Olympic Winter Games of 2014 took place on the Black Sea. That's
1: right. And I think that's part of the reason why we know, because we see these things on television. And so you have a memory, even if it is of people just sliding down a ski slope somewhere. You know. you have a memory anyway, don't you, of, of, of these places? So growing up there, what what was home like? What was your hometown like?
0: Well, our hometown is actually very big. It has a population of over 1.5 million.
1: Uh-huh. And so not the, a
0: small place? Not a small place, no. And we are called the Gates to the Caucasus. Okay. So probably the former Silky Way goes all the way through the Caucasus, Rostov and Don and everywhere in the
1: world. So we connect Europe with Asia and that is the main trade route. Yeah, so that's the bit that people, any foreign person would, would come to grips to quite easily is that that gateway bit.
0: Any foreign investor will come to us for wheat.
1: That's they called our gold. Okay, fair enough, too. I like that. What was it like going to school there? Your schooling, I'm presuming, was different from our schooling here. Do you have fond memories of school?
0: I loved our schools. You loved
1: it? Of course I
0: do, because schooling is different in regard that it's always consistent. No matter where you lived in Russia, uh, regardless of the zone, um, east, south so it was standardized and elementary middle and high schools were always in the same building oh really yes all in together that means we get to interact with each other we'll learn we'll learn how to do it and usually school starts on the first of september regardless whenever you are and the high schoolers who are about to graduate welcome the first graders
1: oh i think that's quite sweet it is So, how old are the wee ones when they start school how old are they seven Seven. Yes. Whereas here in New Zealand it's five, so there's a difference before we even begin, really. So how old are you when you finish school? Well, in those days it was a ten year school program. So okay, ten years. Okay. Yeah,
0: I started at seven, and then I uh, finished high school at the age of sixteen. Well, it's tricky because I'm born in August, so
1: yes. in two months yeah. I turned seventeen. Roundabout, right? right Roundabout. About. So, but and 18, is it
0: still the same era? I think they extended it. They're okay. slightly trying to adapt the European system. So you add an extra year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So, but it doesn't mean that they're separated. It's still one in the
1: same building. Okay. All right. Then off to university that you go. So you go to university local. You, you didn't disappear off to the other side of Russia somewhere. You pick a university local. Did you pick the university or did the university pick you? How, how does it work? Well, in those days, because it was many, many moons ago, it's uh, not that many (laughs) moons ago. (laughs) Era, things
0: change, and changes are very quick. Things do change. How did it work for you? So, it was it, it was based on the exam and the school you choose. I didn't have to apply into five schools. I was adamant, and I knew what I wanted to. But I did have to go two hours away from Rostov because there was there is a town called Taganrog, which is very famous for Anton Chekhov, and some people do know Chekhov. Uh, and I wanted to study foreign languages, but I wanted Spanish to be part of it. Ah, uh, okay. And my Rostov and Don, a teacher's training university, did not offer Spanish. It was German. So originally... So I went two hours away. Okay. But due to my mom's health conditions, I had to relocate. I had to come back. So German became the third language.
1: There comes a time. So you graduate from the university. or There comes a time whilst you're working as a high school teacher that you decided to apply for a Fulbright scholarship. Why did you apply for that? I actually didn't apply. Did someone tap you on the shoulder?
0: yes. I I was approached by the principal,
1: Okay. Okay. and
0: uh, she was also a teacher of English um, at the school where I worked, but she couldn't make the requirements, per se, So because she was so busy being a principal of the school. So she approached me and said, hey, here is an option, because the Clinton administration just launched this teachers' exchange program. Would you like to step in instead of me? And I did. Did you hesitate, or did you just say, yes, of course I'm going to go? Well... If I knew what it entailed, it's not that easy. It was a one-year torture, I would say, because you had to pass certain stages. Originally, there were 2,100 teachers across the country that were participating in the selection process, I call it. So yeah, every time you win the step, you pass all those requirements and exams. Um, Then you think, oh my God, you're getting closer, but then you don't even realize how close you are. So you had to you know, pro- provide your own um, techniques and methodology of teaching. You had to fly to Moscow to pass all their tests to, to ensure that you actually can speak on the level of communicate because you would be placed in private schools.
1: Yes, and you have to be able to communicate. It's all about that sort of thing, isn't it? Did, did you enjoy your year in the United States? It was difficult. I was enjoyed difficult. it. It was difficult. Was it difficult because of the change of language and the change of culture? Was it both that made it difficult for you it's It's not difficult because of the
0: of the language because by the time you get there, you actually speak the language, not necessarily as fluently as the it's not a native language, regardless of what you do, but the culture and the
1: stereotypes that are out there. That's what's difficult to break. Difficult, And yet, I'm going to keep zipping through this, otherwise we will never get to life today because it's very interesting. But at the end of your year, you must have had enough of an ambition to go home and sort life out to come back to the United States. Something must have happened to make you think, actually, I want to go back there. Did something happen? marriage. I oh, actually, marriage. During oh, my stay. in.
0: I know. Yeah, I was, um, God, <laughs> sucked in by, by love, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's what happens. Oh, that's a good
0: reason. It is a good reason, yeah.
1: So, so you go home, tidy life up in Russia and come back to the United States.
0: Well, when you're on a J-Visa program, when somebody sponsors you, you have to give back you, to you your have country. To pay back. Right. Mm. And I and paying back meaning like you have to work for 2 years to bring back what the knowledge that you acquired so that brings nationalities together so you actually are talking from your personal experiences. That's right. And Fair I had, enough. Yes, I went back and I continued teaching and contributed to that way to broadening the knowledge about a different country.
1: Mm. Fair enough, too. All right, there comes a the day when off you go to America. Whereabouts in America did you go to, Era, And was there a particular re- a reason, other than love, why you went there? Well,
0: the love I met was actually in Michigan, because during the program, it was uh, Kalamazoo University, actually college, uh, that I was placed in. And there is... I was told there is a famous song called Kalamazoo
1: (laughs) Yes, we all know that song. You do? Yeah, especially at a radio station area. We all know that song. We'll play it for you one day. Oh, my God. I actually never heard
0: this song. I was told so the very moment I say, hey, you went to Kalamazoo College. I say, yep, I did. Um, But we ended up in Boston because um, my ex-husband believed
1: that Boston is the place with vast opportunities. All right. So back you go to Boston. While you're in Boston, two things happen. You join a really exciting company and you go back to university. Can we do the university first? Because we've just been talking about university. So you go back to university. What university did you go to, and what were you studying? So I went because I'm a teacher by education, and I figured
0: I have to continue. This is what I like to do. And once I got financially more savvier and uh, felt you know more confident and secure, I had I decided to go for a, an online and night or evening classes. So the university is called Northeastern University of Boston, and that's where I got my master's degree in education.
1: Yeah. Was it fun
0: doing this? It was difficult because it was a very difficult way of learning experience. To do it
1: online? To do it online and
0: evening, and this is what right now resonates with me because I'm looking at
1: teachers right now who are offering online education And it's not that easy. It isn't easy, I know. And we have some sympathy with people all over New Zealand at the moment that are doing their education online. It's not quite the same as going along to a lecture theatre and sitting down and getting to know all your fellow students and your lectures. Not quite the same, but good on you for doing that. Tell me, it's a, it was a, a, a well founded university, wasn't it, it really? Is it's a, an old yep. university with lots and lots of students going there. Did you ever get to go, to, to physically go, or was everything absolutely positively online?
0: No, it was 50 50. 50-50. So
1: okay. Those courses you can
0: do online, you do. But you really need interactive communication and discussion, especially when it comes to teaching.
1: So you cannot just go and do 100% online courses. Good. I'm glad to hear that because I looked it up, uh, the university, and I thought what a lovely looking campus it was. Oh, it, it is I'm so beautiful. pleased you actually went to physically go there. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you were doing that sat alongside of the study. You joined a very interesting company in Boston with a very interesting philosophy for its founding. Without making it too complex for us, Boston Financial was whom you went to work for. What was this company's underlying Benefit of being there for the community because it was a community sort of based organization, wasn't it? For the benefit of the community, it is for the benefit of the community. But the company,
0: Boston Financial Investment Management, is actually a for profit company, yeah, which is very different. And in 1986, Congress enacted the low income uh, housing tax credit program. And the program allows investors to receive a credit against their, you know, federal taxes and in exchange so they can actually build uh, or rehabilitate um, housing at rents, which actually reach low-income people. Low so income that would make it affordable.
1: Uh, it's, it's a good thing. And it's something that we discuss here in New Zealand a lot. And I know what we're doing is is quite different. But people are still talking this way. So even though you went to work for them, when did you go and work for them? It's a long time ago now, isn't it? 1998 I started. 1998. Yeah. So it was a bit of a sexy sell then, and it still is today. It's still, and it's expanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about some of the things that it does. So the the program
0: has, actually the company right now, it's my understanding, has the largest portfolio of uh, multifamily properties. Um, with approximately all over the country.
1: Yeah, all all over the USA.
0: The USA, right. So uh, with approximately 15 billion of equity invested in over 2,300 properties containing more than 186 units, apartment units, so that low-income people can afford to rent. Yeah. The promo is not about buying. It's about making sure that rent is affordable.
1: Yeah, and that's the key to the success of it, isn't it? Correct. You've got people who are putting money into these programs and they are getting a good tax and rebate for doing correct that. They are also building up an equity, equity in property and people that otherwise could not afford housing are living there.
0: The best part of the program is that the government doesn't have to pay a penny or put a penny into it.
1: no. Sole Be- private investment. It's sole
0: private investment. They invest. They have the benefit at the end of the tax credit, and they still benefit from making sure it's affordable. People rent, and it's always a hundred percent occupied.
1: Yeah, I, people that are renting these properties, do they stay renting there for the whole of their life? Can they stay there? Like, if I go into one of these units. Can I call that my home for life? Can I rent that forever? Or will there come a time when somebody says, actually, you've been in this place for 20 years, we want you out of there and give it to someone else?
0: You have to recertify every year. You have to make sure the tenant is qualified.
1: They've got to be low income. Low income.
0: Yes. It doesn't have to be low income because it's a very vague word um, because HUD, it's a Housing and Urban Development, it's a federal agency publishes income rates in the region. like, And, of course, they vary. So people who live in Boston can make much more money than those who live in Midwest of the United States. So it all depends on the median income that people make per region, per city, per county, metropolitan areas. So rates are based on that. and But everybody who qualifies to rent in those units can. But you really have to make sure because situations change. For example, today you make this amount. It doesn't mean that they're poor. It's just it makes it affordable. And rents can be set up at 30%, 60%, depending. And there are other programs available through the housing and urban development.
1: All right. So if I'm living in my unit and I like being there, can I purchase it if I'm able to do so? Can I buy my unit? You cannot buy the unit because the investors, the program is set up for 15 years. Okay. You have,
0: In order to qualify for those tax credits back, that uh, property has to maintain uh, a 15-year status of being affordable and under a low-income housing program, tax credit called LIHTC, the abbreviations, very
1: interesting, so the acronym. So at the end of 15 years, can I buy it then? When the investors are maybe going to pull out or new investors come in or something, can I ever buy it? Can I? That's the question, I suppose, isn't it? Can I ever buy it? Or, or might I, if my income gets to a certain level, just have to go? You don't have to go. It, it's up to the investor to okay. decide
0: what is going to happen. But those units are made specifically to be affordable for people. It's not a buying option. It's to make sure that rent is affordable and they can live there and
1: if they qualify each year, they find they can stay there they can stay there that's quite good, isn't it? Yeah, did you enjoy doing this job? Of course I did. It's what was replied. your job per se what were exactly were you doing? I actually was working for the team called
0: um Investment Management Resource team, so um we provided support to the property management department team. So the, the team that managed all those properties for the investors to make sure that we're compliant with the government
1: regulations. There comes a time, though, Era, when you decide to come and live in New Zealand. That would have been quite a, a wrench for you, really, I'm presuming, to leave the comfort of Boston, to come all the way out here to New Zealand, to Napier. It was love again, wasn't it? I love the
0: way you put it, a wrench. I never even thought about it this way.
1: <laughs> I'd better not tell your partner Ben. No, I'll I, tell Ben. I'll no, tell no, We one. won't tell I'll Ben. Tell the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you, you decide to come to New Zealand. When did you come to New Zealand? I actually came to New Zealand, I believe it
0: was 2015. The first time I landed was in um, August.
1: Did you come here before you decided to live here, or was it all or nothing?
0: Oh, no, no. We haven't even decided that I would live in New Zealand. No, I
1: just came to check on Ben,
0: whether he's well-behaved and how he's doing in New Zealand. I'm just kidding. No, we met accidentally online with Ben, um, thanks to my friend who posted my profile on the International (laughs) Cupid Program, and I was not aware of it. And before I shut it down, because it was a 30-day free trial, Ben, of course, was not free. He paid for his membership, and his email went through, even though I shut the profile down. And, um...
1: It's quite funny. Really. It is funny. Oh you're God. the only couple that I know that actually met online through a international dating system. But we won't tell anyone about that. Well, we will keep that. But now secret. my
0: mom and stepdad were actually the first one who met Ben in person with the sign "Ben, we're here" because I had to work. And when he landed in Boston Airport for the first time that we could actually see each other, it was my mom and
1: my stepdad who met him. Who went to go and get him? <laughs> yeah, I it makes it even funnier. I, I think. I think you're terribly brave to. Come come all the way out here not having met our country or, or known terribly much about it Ben of course was already here at that ben time was wasn't, wasn't he so you arrive did you come straight to Napier or did you have a bit of a we look round the country how did it work for you coming to New Zealand well we
0: landed obviously in Auckland in and Auckland? then it was Ben's idea is that that we gotta drive the car we could fly to Napier, but he wanted me to see, to it, see some country. the country. Good. I, I guess he wanted me to, to make sure that I love it, that I would stay.
1: Yeah, it was important for you to stay, I I know. And I I want to skip through it a little bit because I'm awfully pleased that you stayed here. And I met you through the Hawke's Bay branch of the Royal Society. I knew Ben and I, I met you, subsequently asked you if you would join Rotary. And as at the time of recording, you've been a member of our Rotary Club Ahariri Sunrise for about 18 months during that time, have there been some things that you have been involved in that you've actually really enjoyed doing?
0: There was not a single thing that I was involved in that I haven't enjoyed. I good, absolutely love it. Good,
1: dear. What have you enjoyed doing? Any- what have you enjoyed? Well, I had to send
0: Ben to plant the trees when I was outside the country. Yes, we did tree planting, yes. And it was very rewarding to see his picture in the newspaper. So we spread it to the whole world. I absolutely love the Ahuri Street Fest, Festival of Lights, when children were running around and be so happy, and fundraising. I love every, the way it's done. Um, so we also do uh, visits of the of the international clubs are fun. You get to see how different they are. It's fun
1: going to a different Rotary Club, isn't it? And you can romp on up. It's one of the good things about Rotary, you can romp on up to any Rotary Club anywhere in the world say hi look at me I'm a Rotarian from Ahuriri Sunrise and Napier and your family
0: instantly instantly everybody's so excited you should have seen Medford Rotary Club in the United States when they realized we're from New Zealand oh my god they got so excited because we I guess we were the first visitors from a different international right from New Zealand
1: yeah yeah it's fun isn't it it is very fun and you've been to another Rotary Club outside of New Zealand haven't you didn't you go to Masterton? It's our like local
0: Masterton in New Zealand, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, you went there as
1: well at Christmas time last year. I think it was
0: Christmas. It was. Did you enjoy
1: that one? That was the best party
0: I ever attended because it was a dress-up party. I thought it was actually a Halloween party because they were all dressed up as nurses and St. John's Ambulance arrived delivering the president, but actually it was a Christmas party.
1: Yeah. It was not a Halloween Great party. Great fun. So, so you've enjoyed being part of the Rotary Club and giving back to the community in a different way. It is a different way of giving back, but it doesn't really matter how you give back, as long as you do something good.
0: As you long feel as you good. do
1: something good, that, that's great. And uh, you're the only Russian in our club, of course, era, so you do have a special spot in our hearts. I feel flattered. <laughs> <laughs> so we hope that you will be a Rotarian with our club for a long time to come. So thank you. Fellow Rotarian, Era Chipkova from my club, the Rotary Club of Ahire Sunrise, thank you for being my guest on Rotary Wheels today. There's much online about the topics Era and I have discussed today. The Rostov State Pedagogical University and the Northeastern University of Boston have comprehensive websites. And if you've got time and you've never looked at these universities, go and have a look. Also, the Rotary Club that Era visited in Boston, Medford, they have have a community focused website. To find out more about Rotary in your local community, hit Google. All the clubs in Hawkes Bay and New Zealand have informative websites, and if you are thinking of contributing to your local community via Rotary, there is much online for you to read. Please join me every Monday morning, straight after the 10 o'clock news, to meet another Rotarian from your local community. I'm Lynn Trafford.
0: This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thank you to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.